I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, one of our favorite shows of 2018 wrapped up its first season, AMC's The Terror. And Jeff's got a review of a sort of big movie. I saw Deadpool 2. There are also a lot of other comings and goings on TV this week. We'll dig into it. First, it's the news. From the couch. A mess. I'm an undercover cop working a kidnapping case. A baby panda was stolen, and they're using the dog show as a front for animal smuggling. Why are there dogs in this meeting? That's what partners are for. What is happening in this town? Let's take these smugglers down. Show Dogs is another movie that came out last week while most of us were watching Deadpool. Deadpool, of course, is only for grown-ups, so the kids were throwing a bone, pardon the pun, with Show Dogs, starring Will Arnett as a cop, and Ludacris as the voice of his cop dog partner. Now, it did not do well. It came in six, earning $7.3 million in North America, $8.5 million worldwide. The critics also dubbed it a stinker with just 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, they're at the world's most exclusive dog show. You're here. Bound of the king. You were kidding me, right? <laughs> and Max. Are we in the right place? I could have swore we were backstage at a Cirque du Soleil. What? He's on a mission. <laughs> Wait, you're a cop? I'm working undercover. What if you actually won the whole show? Nope. <laughs> hey, you do remember I bite. So it'd be very easy to forget this puppy, pardon the pun, <laughs> and just let it lie. Oh my god. <laughs> this movie would die on its own entirely, probably before the end of this sentence. But no, this thing made headlines this week for bizarre and horrible reasons. Parenting blog site Macaroni Kid paid closer attention to, dog sh- to show dogs than most everyone else, posting an extensive rip on the film for teaching children that it's okay to let strangers touch them. Let me explain. In the movie, the cop dog voiced by Ludacris goes undercover in a dog show. Now, apparently in these shows, the judges check everything, including a dog's bits and pieces for some reason. And Ludacris the dog was not looking forward to having that happen. That's red flag number one, by the way. Why would you even introduce that sexualized element into a kid's movie? But it gets worse. Another dog, a veteran of the dog show world, teaches Ludacris how to deal with it by having Arnett examine him while he, Ludacris, goes to his zen place in his mind, i.e. teaching him how to accept that a stranger is touching him in a way that makes him uncomfortable. What? The mind reels. I I guess they try to play it for laughs, but wow, to think of the number of people involved in a production that would have to sign off on this at various stages, that it got all the way into theaters with no one realizing how monumentally wrong it was and how it was going to proceed just blows my mind. The good news is this. There was enough blowback that the production company has now re-edited the film, taking those scenes out, and that version is already in theaters. Not for long, though, because, again, the movie sucks in the first place. Show dogs. What's that? Bikini wax? It's payback time. Uh, uh, Wait. What? Ah! The pain passes, but the beauty shall remain. You only heard stories about the jungle. I lived in the king's palace in a cage just like this. I bit and I scratched. And I spent my entire life fighting. Until one day, I just stopped. And I gained their trust. Gained their trust, little brother. Sounds dramatic. And it also sounds kind of like Christian Bale's voice, but based on the audio, I'm not really sure what this is. Let's find out more. The jungle is no longer safe for you. Stay in the village. 
Little brother. When I found you, all those seasons ago, I thought I could teach you how to belong. But I was wrong. Mowgli. Mowgli? That's right. Mowgli from The Jungle Book. It's a new adaptation of The Jungle Book, and it's called Mowgli. Christian Bale is the panther. Benedict Cumberbatch, you just heard his voice too, he's the mean tiger. In a new live-action adaptation from Warner Brothers, from director Andy Serkis. He also plays Baloo the Bear. You might be thinking, wasn't there just a Jungle Book movie? Yeah, there was. Disney released one back in 2016, and it made nearly a billion dollars worldwide to near-universal acclaim. So Warner Brothers did well to distance themselves from that release because they were going to release it pretty quickly after the Disney one. And they decided as well to go with a darker adaptation of Rudyard Kipling's book. When you were come, I looked you in the eye and saw no fear. I believed that one day you would bring peace to the jungle. But you have become a man now, okay? The voice cast also includes Kate Blanchett, Frida Pinto, Matthew Reese. Isn't that your guy from The Americans? You bet. And uh, some kid as Mowgli, which opens on October 19th. I think we can both agree, Mowgli, that you are something the jungle has never seen before. We're trying to see that product. You're sleepy. What's up, homie? You know my cousin, sad boy. I think you got the wrong guy, Holmes. Everyone saying that Barrio's sleepy. He like the Mexican Wolverine. Hey, my partner here, he want to see that product. When he talking? My name is Jeff. That's Jefe, man. There's an old adage that pretty people can't be funny. Now that's been proven wrong many times, including by Channing Tatum in the 21 Jump Street movies. Remember me? I'm your best nightmare. I'm your worst nightmare. It was a bit of a shock when those movies came out because I think the general thinking was he was a model turned actor and only good for his looks. His most famous movie, Magic Mike, where he played a stripper, and a movie that also starred Matthew McConaughey in one of our favorite clips. That too, the law says that you cannot touch. But I think I see a lot of lawbreakers up in this house. <laughs> that is so McConaughey. Anyways, Tatum has proven his comic chops repeatedly, as well as starring in action movies like White House Down and G.I. Joe Retaliation. Now he's about to star in an action comedy with another unlikely comedian, LeBron James. The NBA superstar has one solid acting credit under his belt as the comic relief in the Amy Schumer comedy, Trainwreck. So you're doing the article on me? Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. We watching Downton Abbey later? LeBron, I'm being interviewed. Listen, I'm watching it tonight because I'm not going to go to practice and all the guys are talking about it and I'm left out. He was very funny in that, although he did only have a few short appearances. Co-anchoring a movie is a different ballgame. But hey, if Dennis Rodman could star with Jean-Claude Van Damme, Michael Jordan could star with Bugs Bunny, and Shaquille O'Neal could star in two films, I'll try LeBron in anything. 
There are very few details about the movie other than it is, for now, titled Public Enemy, and it's about social media or something. Cleveland, Ohio? It's about the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Or maybe we go down to Kent to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know Superman was created in Cleveland? Yeah, no, I know Superman was created in Cleveland. You've told me that a number of times. You ever seen Cuyahoga Sunset? No. Do you know Cleveland's great for the whole family? Yes, yes, yes I do. You tell me that all the time. You randomly just text me that. No, what's wrong with that? weird. It's weird. I got free texting. Why are you trying to always sell me on Cleveland? When are you going to come to Cleveland? You ever miss it? I haven't touched a gun in 10 years. After what happened that night. I just put my sword down, you know. Without that bad luck, you're gonna be okay. I never would have met Sarah. I never would have had my kids. Daddy loves who? Me. Daddy loves who? Me. Me. I love you. You matter. A new trailer got us to look up this week. Way up. Dwayne The Rock Johnson stars in Skyscraper, and as you heard in that clip, he's former FBI, he's former military, now retired, minus a leg. Bomb went off, almost killed him, blew off his leg. Now he assesses security for skyscrapers, and he is at the tallest building in the world, which in this film is in China. Mr. Sawyer, you are the very first family we have had in the residential section of the Pearl. After your security assessment, what do you think of the building? The Pearl is the most advanced, super tall structure in the world. It's a breathtaking achievement. But no one really knows what would happen if things go wrong. So naturally something does go wrong when bad guys take the building. I did burn. The 96th floor is on fire. Sarah, listen to me. The fire is not going to stop. Keep going up. Don't stop. Don't look back. Get back. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't understand. My family's in there. Turn around. Dude, don't you know? You can't stop. Can't stop the rock. Not even an artificial leg is going to stop the rock. Jumped off a super crane. So, The Rock, with an artificial leg, jumps off a super crane and into this super tall skyscraper, which is partly on fire, to save his family, two daughters, and wife Nev Campbell. Just the man I was looking for. This building is protecting something that I want. You're going to get it for me. Anything can be done with the proper motivation. No! The new trailer is online now, and the movie Skyscraper, starring The Rock, opens July 13th. Sure, the man. Rock says this, is that tonight he was gonna do one thing, and that is lay the smack down on your Rudy Pooh! If you smell what The Rock is cooking! Watchmen, one of us died tonight. Somebody knows why. Somebody knows. I heard he'd been working for the government. Maybe it was a political killing. Maybe someone's picking off costumed heroes. 
Remember Watchmen? Can you believe it's been more than nine years already? It was sort of a superhero movie based on the acclaimed comic book series from Alan Moore in the 80s. The comic is great, and I think Zack Snyder did a good job bringing it to the big screen. Maybe he was too literal with it, but of course, the Watchmen fans are rabidly nerdy and wouldn't accept it any other way. And now, HBO is making a TV series, or at least a pilot anyways. We found out this week it won't be a direct retelling of the story. Instead, it'll be a new story with new characters set in the Watchmen world. My TV hero, Damon Lindelhoff is in charge and said this week in an Instagram post all that. He's, of course, the co-creator of Lost and The Leftovers, two of my favorite all-time shows. They also announced some of the casting this week. The names include Regina King, Don Johnson, Tim Blake Nelson, and Louis Gaza Jr. Falcon 6, you're clear for takeoff. Runway 30, over. Heard him. You can get us over to Runway 30? Yeah. If you come up here and show me where the throttle is in these things. I'm starting not to like you. Cook aside, I had fond of vague memories about the Iron Eagle movies, and I watched some clips today on YouTube, and apparently need to rethink my life, because those are some bad movies. Lindelof is reuniting with King, who was terrific on The Leftovers, and Don Johnson, who of course was Nash Bridges, the show Lindelof once wrote for. They are all apparently playing new characters that were not in the books or the movie. No word yet on when Watchmen the TV show will air. The world will look up and shout, save us. No whisper. No. That is the news from the couch. Have you ever read The Watchmen? Yeah, I have it. It's one of the very few uh, graphic novel type dealies I own. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a very cerebral read. It takes yeah, forever. It does. It's a great book, though. I think the book is still better than the movie. We tend to like the movies better, don't we? We do, but there's just so much in the, yeah. the book, in the comic books, graphic novel, call it whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it, it's because there's so many details in the story. I think each, if if I remember, remember correctly, each chapter begins with either it's newspaper clippings or there's some kind of lure. It's like full text for pages and pages. Yeah, there's like backstory, a secondary story being told that's sort of tangentially connected to what's happening in the Watchmen world. It's really cool. That part, they, kick, they cut out of the movie. I think they might have shot some of it. It might be on the DVD. But. There is an extended Blu-ray, yeah. uh, which I bought, and I think I watched it once. <laughs> it cost me like $55, and it has oodles of special features on it and uh of course i never got around to it and up next we'll tell you what's new to blu-ray dvd and digital hd this week you're listening to the couch potatoes brett mcgarry jeff braun we are the couch potatoes going to look at what is coming to home video this upcoming week and let's start with a big one say that's it you think of a wonderful thought any happy little thoughts uh-huh like toys at christmas sleigh bells snow yep watch me now here i go it's easier than pie he can fly he can fly what's that peter pan from walt disney company it's the 65th anniversary they've opened the vault and they're uh putting out the walt disney signature collection on the blu-rays nice that's blu-ray or just digital, digital? Uh, i think i can't remember i wrote it as digital hd but i'm pretty sure it was blu-ray okay well find out on tuesday it's coming to home video <laughs> in some form or fashion yeah 
What's the hurricane? Oh, the hurricane heist. Yes, we talked about this uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah, when it came into theaters. Yeah, it shockingly into theaters. Blew into yeah. That, it's like this should be straight to DVD. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's coming to digital HD on Tuesday. So it was a wrinkle in time, which is uh, that was supposed to be a big giant blockbuster that sort of underperformed. I guess. Oh, when did that come huge. out? March. Yeah, that was a March. Right after the Oscars. That's right? the one that yeah. starred Oprah Winfrey. Right. And uh, based on a very popular book. Yeah. And that hurricane heist, yeah, it's a it's a heist that takes place during a hurricane. Yeah, it's, they're like, here comes a storm, but we're robbing the bank anyways, or whatever it is. Yeah, right? and I think it starred Shannon from Lost. That's not a point in its favor. <laughs> uh, Blu-ray, Lost. Blu-ray DVD, there's a film out called Annihilation, which stars Natalie Portman. And actually, on that same day, that was released in uh, late February, mm-hmm. and on the same day... In late February was uh, released a movie called Game Night. Oh, yeah. Which uh, starred Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, uh, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. Winnie the Bish from New Girl. And, and Jesse Plemons. And our friends. Meth Damon, as they call him on the internet. <laughs> Meth he, Damon. Because he was taught in Breaking Bad. And he looks like Matt Damon. He, I remember you telling me about his performance. <laughs> it was weird, eh? Oh, my goodness. It was so <laughs> weird, so brilliant. And, uh, yeah, I watched the Blu-ray. Warner Brothers sent us a copy of the yep. Blu-ray. And I loved it, man. I, I'm glad that I got to see it because so often these movies come and go into theaters and then I never get around to them. So I got to watch this and I just loved it. Jason Bateman... He is oh. so good as a straight, just deadpan guy. They, yeah, it's, I don't know if they wrote that with him in mind. I think it was like from the producers of Horrible Bosses, yeah. which he was in. So he has a connection. Those guys know how to work with him. So yeah, that's, that's a game night is definitely one you should check out. Up next on The Couch Potatoes, the biggest movie in the land, gets a review from Jeff Braun. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and I saw Deadpool 2 this week. Celine! That was amazing! That was the most beautiful performance I've ever seen in my life! Thank you so much! Thank you! No, thank you! We need to do it again! Okay. Why? Well, it's too good. Yeah, this is... This is Deadpool 2, not Titanic. Alright, you're at like an 11. We need to get you down to a 5. Five and a half tops, just phone it in. Listen, this thing only goes to 11. So beat it, Spider-Man. God, I should have asked NSYNC. Deadpool 2, that's a, that's a promo clip that's not even from the movie, him and uh, Celine Dion. Deadpool 2, of course, stars Ryan Reynolds, another famous Canadian, Josh Brolin, Morena Baccarin, some old favorites, some new ones, and a few surprises, including one very big surprise, surprising surprise. The gist of the plot is this. Deadpool befriends a young mutant named Firefist, and a, a bruiser named Cable, that'd be your Josh Brolin, comes here from the future, seemingly hell-bent on killing Firefist for some reason. The main joke is that Firefist is a nerdy, portly young man who acts like he's a gangster rapper and the juxtaposition is hilarious. Deadpool, of course, does his Deadpool things. He's a smart aleck. He often looks at the camera and addresses the audience. He gathers some new X-Men to try to team up against Cable as he, well, he revisits with Colossus, Negus on a teenage warhead, and his cabbie, Dopinder. 
Now, I've run into the same problem with this movie that I did with Tully a couple of weeks ago, which is there are major twists that will, in this case, easily spoil something that's kind of amazing, so no more specifics. Now, if you like Deadpool 1, you will like Deadpool 2. It's very much more of the same thing, except that we've seen it before, so it's a little less exciting. I laughed a lot. I thought the storytelling was very interesting, which I won't elaborate on, and it was just a fun trip to the movies. It's not so visually stunning, though, that you need to see it on IMAX or anything. If Is that even an option with this? I did see an IMAX commercial on the internet. Um, Frank, probably that might have been a week one thing only. Frankly, if you wait until it's on Netflix, it won't really hurt your life at all. Uh, a couple of other takeaways. TJ Miller is back in this. He plays the bartender guy. Not as funny as he used to be. I think I'm officially tired of his shtick, and I will admit a lot of that has to do with how he left the show Silicon Valley. It sounds like he genuinely acts like a turd with people, and I'm just about <laughs> done making room for, in my life for people like that. Ryan Reynolds, though, funnier than ever. He's a guy I always root for, so it's always nice to see him in something that's both good and successful, because he's had uh, he's had a lot of shots, and they haven't all you know hit the mark. Uh, I've also had the Papa Can You Hear Me song from the movie Yentl stuck in my head all week because of this movie. I wish someone could make that stop. There is also an early credit scene at the end, but nothing at the very, very end, although there is a funny song that plays near the very end just over the credits, so it's still sort of worth it for sit, just to sit there. But there's no scene if that's what you're waiting for. So what's the, the, the verdict then? Oh, yeah, I didn't uh, come down with the verdict. I would say uh, three and a half couch cushions out of five. Three and a half couch yeah. cushions out of five. Solid, but nothing particularly special for Deadpool 2. I can't remember. There is, I think there is a song... That is sort of renowned for being able to wipe out an earworm. I mean, it just replaces that one with whatever the song is that you're talking about. But uh, I've been trying with Spin Doctors, which usually works. Oh, God, <laughs> I you know what? I used to like the Spin Doctors, but I think I've just heard their stuff too often in my lifetime. To that's just weird be because okay. they've only got two songs that anyone knows. That's, well, that's just it. They're the only two songs that ever get played, <laughs> and true. I just hear them over and over and over. But uh, they, there was an IMAX experience for Deadpool, and well, it looks was. like you're right, because I just checked the listings at uh, the nearest Cineplex Theater with an IMAX screen, and it's uh, on Thursday there was a Deadpool, but then solo. beyond that, it's solo, that's a Star a, Wars yeah, story. That's summer, right? Every week there's something new to put on the IMAX screen, pretty much. Yeah. What do you take? What do you make of this solo thing? The solo? Uh, you know what? This is... You know, I guess technically we're critics, but I'm pushing this on to another critic. I read a review from Leonard Malton who really liked it, yep. which I was not expecting because that guy, he doesn't have a lot of room for the superhero movies, that mm. sort of thing. Um, but he said it was good, and he said the reason it was good was the casting, especially this uh, Alden Emmerich, I don't know what his name is. All, I can roll Alden Ehrenreich? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's just spot on, so... Really? Yeah. After all yeah. of the fear about him needing to take acting classes and... Leonard Malton says I couldn't have picked anyone better. Oh, and also, did you hear this is happening? The Boba Fett movie is happening. Why? I don't know. He is, I uh, will go to my grave never understanding the allure of that character. He looks cool, yes. He is almost a non-presence in those original Star Wars movies. He has the one move where he jetpacks over to the thing. Yep. And the the most awkward special effect you've ever seen. Yeah. Like, it looks dorky as heck. (laughs) And then he dies immediately. Like, he has got no game to him whatsoever. I know. And, uh, well, and now that George Lucas- He didn't even capture Han Solo. Well, he did in the... No, Darth in the, Vader did, and he just 
transported him. He's just a taxi for the the well. He followed carbonated him. corpse. Yeah, he followed him. Yeah, Darth so, Vader found him because Boba Fett followed them. Yeah, I think. but he didn't like fight him or anything. <laughs> and people are like, oh, he's such a badass. It's like, is he really? Because all I've seen him do is fly a ship and then die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then they ruined it with the, when George Lucas tinkered uh, with the original trilogy because they changed his voice. His original voice was way cooler than the Oh, really? Movie. Yeah. I don't even remember that. Well, because they, they used the voice of the guy who played Django oh, Fett. in the Attack of the Clones. Yeah. And they made... So when they redid the, the, the original trilogy, they used <laughs> his voice instead, and it kind of ruined it because Boba Fett's original voice was really menacing. Right. So that kind of stunk. Yeah, I don't get it either. Uh, I, 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 I hate to disparage the character for anybody who really likes him but Jeff's right in the original Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi he's barely there and he drives kind of a weird looking ship anyway kind of getting off track here I do want to tell you about the terror and then just going to run down some exciting stuff that is coming up this week on your television you're listening to the couch potatoes Brett McGarry Jeff Braun we are the couch potatoes coming up in just a moment we're going to talk about AMC's The Terror, which wrapped up this week. It was excellent TV. We'll tell you why. First, though, something coming up very soon that you're excited about. Yeah, a couple of my favorite show- shows returning this week, starting on Tuesday on Netflix with this. Hello? Don't you need The Bluth Family. We're shooting footage for Lindsay. Campaign footage. You're running for office? I want to be part of the problem, Michael. Is finally back together. Oh, great. Get your stuff. Let's get out of here. Well, that didn't last long. Maybe. What? Maybe we can figure out where it all went wrong. Now, they didn't do themselves any favor with a very awkward group interview with the New York Times this past week. If you can still watch it, though, Arrested Development back on Netflix on Tuesday for Season 5. The reviews I read, which came out before that interview, said it's better than Season 4, feeling like it's old self again, which is good. But frankly, it might be hard to watch Jeffrey Tambor at this point. Apparently, he went off on co-star Jessica Walters on the set. She was crying about it in the interview that they all did together with the Times. It was very awkward. The other men in the cast were sticking up for Tambor, and it not come off well. It led to a round of mea culpas, which sounded about as genuine as you'd expect from Hollywood folk. Tambor has, of course, already been fired from his other show, Transparent, but they had mostly wrapped this season of Dressed Development before any of the things that led to him being fired from Transparent came out, and the show was so meticulously plotted that you couldn't delete his scenes or anything like that, so that's back on Tuesday with a bit of a cloud hanging over it. Another show returns to Netflix on Wednesday. Without any stink on it, one of my favorites, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Friday! Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. You're singing that wrong. How? I made it up. It's the fourth season of Schmidt. <laughs> yes. We have a we have a connection to that song in our day-to-day lives, don't we? Yeah. Uh, it's the fourth season of Kimmy Schmidt. I'm halfway through a series rewatch that I'd actually like to finish before launching into the new season. I don't mind if I don't get to it for a bit because I usually tear through a season of Kimmy Schmidt in two days. And then I lament having to wait 363 more days for the next season. Kimmy Schmidt comes from Tina Fey and Robert Carlack, who, of course, brought us 30 Rock. It's the same kind of crazy looper humor here, except it's the story of a naive 30-year-old woman trying to make it in New York. And it's uh, some terrifically funny stuff. All right, all right. So this past week saw the 10th and final episode of season one of AMC's anthology series, The Terror. On the next episode of AMC's The Terror... A spirit that dresses as an animal, yet we shot it with a cannon and drew blood. How do you reconcile that? We can't. We prefer the, the captain's orders, sir. 
To hell with the captain's orders. Mr. Crozier, I've been looking forward to this. Come and join us. So I expressed my excitement in the lead-up to this show. That got Jeff excited. Yeah. We both watched it. Both loved it. Yes. Ridley Scott is the executive producer of The Terror, which is based on the best-selling book from 2007 by American author Dan Simmons. It's a fictional account of the search for the Northwest Passage. The real event happened in the 1840s. Captain Sir John Franklin's lost expedition to the Arctic with two ships, the HMS Erebus and the HMS Terror. The novel and the AMC series follow Franklin and his crew as they deal with starvation, illness, mutiny, cannibalism, and just for fun, they throw in this big monster that's stalking them across the frozen Arctic. Now, the real-life wreck of the HMS Terror was recently found in Nunavut in 2016, about 100 kilometers north of where the Erebus was found in 2014. What really happened remains a mystery. So that's why Ridley Scott says it's okay to have some fun with fiction. The cast is led by Jared Harris, who delivers, in my book, maybe the best performance I've ever seen from him, which says a lot because he is always superb. He's been in lots of stuff. He was in Mad Men, right? Yeah, he's terrific in Mad Men. Of course he was. Fringe. Yep. Remember him in Fringe? Yep, yep. Apparently he's in The Crown. I don't watch that. Do you? No. Okay. The Expanse, which, by the way, looks like it's getting picked up by Amazon for season four after Sci-Fi canceled it. Now we just need Last Man on Earth to get resurrected and all our cancellations will be forgiven. That's right. Brooklyn Nine-Nine came back. Apparently, and the, the, the quick sidebar in The Expanse, yep. Amazon, uh, I guess, already has owns the streaming rights. And it was another one of those shows where sci-fi only had the the the, the broadcast rights. They didn't own it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I guess it wasn't worth well, it to them. Yeah, Amazon. If they're spending a billion dollars on Lord of the Rings, they can save, you know, Brett's favorite show. Yeah, well, they're, it's got a hardcore following, so they would be wise, I think, to keep this one going. Cast also includes Kieran Hines, who played Matt's Raider in Game of Thrones, and Tobias Menzies is in the cast, too. Another Game of Thrones alum, he played Edmure Tully. So, uh, Jeff, what did you think of the Terror? I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, I thought it was a fascinating story. Um, we run into the thing a lot of times where it was a new show will be on, and it was like, well, we've seen that a hundred thousand times before. You know how many uh, just knockoff shows there are. So to see like a bunch of guys in the eighteen hundreds stranded in the Arctic, never seen that before. Correct. In yeah. any capacity, so I was like, I'm I was all in right off the hop. Like boat movies, or like uh, northern stuff, apparently. So there you go. Uh, I did think it got too gross for me a few times. Yeah, uh, including in the finale, I I was just like looking through my fingers and not really. I was like, okay, I can just go by sound here once they. I know they've moved on. I'll look back at the screen. <laughs> yeah. Now, overall, I uh, really, really enjoyed the terror. I, it, as I mentioned, it had some of the best performances. From surprisingly layered and thoughtful characters, Harris, for example, he just dis- delivered a masterclass because he started the series as this broken, bitter drunk who had yeah. to emerge from his pity party and uh, become this compassionate, courageous man who could at least try to lead the men out of maybe the worst possible situation oh, on earth. It just it went. It started. Rough. Just living on the boat in the 1800s for three years would be hard enough. Yeah. Never mind being stuck in the ice in the Arctic with dwindling supplies, the food source you have uh, turning rotten on you or whatever it was. Yeah. This crazy monster trying to get you. <laughs> and then a uh, few uh, weirdo, you know, roommates. This, the Mr. Hickey story, he, he was interesting. I don't think that I fully understood what was going on with that guy. Did they explain why he did what he did ever? Not, well, they, they, I think he just was... 
Yeah, I think he was just rotten already. Just rotten to the core from the jump. And then he just went mad. That's, that was how I kind of took yeah. it. Um, I, I, I thought it was interesting. I thought maybe I was missing something as well. Yeah. As, as to why he was there to begin with and that sort of thing. I think that was maybe the one part of the, the series that, that really didn't work for me. I, I enjoyed it, but I thought it just got a little too off track towards the end. But um, another character that I thought was great, uh, actor, guy named Paul Reddy as Dr. Goodsir. Yep. who is just this gentle, such a gentle and noble character driven by a thirst for knowledge, but also this need to just help his men as a doctor, even though for the most part he's belittled by the chief medical officer on board. Because he technically wasn't a doctor, right? Yeah, he was an anatomist, I think. But and, uh, uh, in the tight spot, when your doctor's been eaten by a monster, you'll take the next best guy. Yeah, and, <laughs> and even though like the setting was barren and cold for the most part, especially for the last two or three episodes where they're basically just walking on endless field of rock, you'd think that would be yeah. boring, but the, these characters were so rich with the stories they were all telling that it was just so compelling and again, they're being chased by the monster. Not quite sure the whole monster thing worked for me either. I liked it at first because it added suspense and horror mm-hmm. to an already horrific situation where they're stuck in the Arctic. But as they went along, it just they seemed to drop the monster in randomly, and it didn't serve the story as much as I felt like I wanted to or needed to. And they're... Other their actual predicament was more than enough of a you know what I mean of a predicament. They didn't need the monster. Things are bleak enough as it was. Yeah, I mean, I think the monster was maybe the kind of hook to get you to watch because certainly that was what made me watch. I thought, they're, oh, they're doing a true story, but they're mixing in, they're throwing yeah. in some yeah for sure kind of horror sci-fi stuff. Because what were they doing? Like walking hundreds of miles without you know Google Maps, hoping to quickly stumble stumble upon a proper like outpost from the Hudson Bay Company or something. Yeah, I guess they knew which direction was south and away you go. Uh, and also I loved, loved that the show featured some Inuit characters that yeah. uh, we got to see them showcased in a unique way because of that monster. So just overall, I really liked it. I would give uh, The Terror four couch cushions out of five. It could end up in my top ten. Also worth pointing out, AMC has not renewed it for a second season where they would presumably tell a brand new story. We've got about 30 seconds left. I did not watch the Survivor finale because I don't care, but what happened? It was a terrific finale. It came down to a tie. And the third place uh, finisher in the top three didn't get any votes, so she had to break the tie. Laurel, she picked my man Wendell, who I had in the office pool, so I won the office pool. Did you? Was that just a random draw? It was a random draw, <laughs> but I'm bragging about it anyways. <laughs> How much are you going to win? Uh, I don't know. Like at least 100 bucks. So. Oh, beauty. Yeah. There you go. This uh, Hopefully next season on Survivor on Global is better. That's all the time we have. Get the podcast on Google Play and on iTunes. And remember... If it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.